let's go back to students um, without ESA. If a student is going to a public school, the numbers right now uh, state that uh, that public school and school district will get $10,790, about 1100 bucks per student, okay? And 1300 ish comes from federal and 9500 ish comes from the state. Well, if that same child leaves the public school to do the ESA, uh, $7,000 now goes to the parent. However, there's still $3,790 that that school and school district still get. Yeah. The school and school district still retain the 1300 from the federal, and they still retain a large amount from, from, the, from the state. So even if a child leaves that public school for ESA, um, is that school losing out on that $7,000? Yes. Yeah. But that school is still retaining almost $3,800. And here's the kicker. That school and school district, Dan, they don't have to do anything to keep that money. The net positive should be gigantic. Welcome to the Stewardship Podcast, where we help you understand that stewardship is about more than just finances. I am Daniel, and I'm joined today by Grant. Hey, Grant. Hello. So today on the show, we're going to do a little different kind of format. Yeah. Um, it's an important episode, but mm-hmm. we're not going to give you like three practical tips in yeah. the second half. Yeah, I think like our format of our show normally is a story or a discussion, mm-hmm. then we do our one-minute money tip. And then we give three tips to follow. Yeah. But we're not going to necessarily do three tips to follow. Yeah. I don't know. Um, who knows? Maybe it'll come out. We'll see. Yeah. We but. might make up some tips right on the spot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but recently, our governor, Doug Ducey, signed into law a bill Yep. Uh, for the empowerment scholarship accounts to be expanded. To be expanded. That's the important thing to understand. Um, we've done a long form video on this yeah. and a, a one minute money tip video on this. Mm-hmm. But the empowerment scholarship account has been around for a couple of years here mm-hmm. in our state. And what it does is for kids who qualify, they are uh, given funds from the state to be able to create a different education option for their children. Right. Uh, so an example of that is I know somebody that has a child with special needs mm-hmm. and the public school that is assigned to that child based on where they live doesn't have the resources to give that child the education they need. Mm. So the they are now a recipient of the Empowerment Scholarship Account, the ESA, and can now purchase things to make and create a better education for their child. Right. And the expansion of this is to go from just children who have, say, a qualified ability or disability to all kids. So the, the what the House in Arizona passed, the Senate in Arizona passed, and the governor signed is that ESA is going to be expanded to all kids K through 12 and if you would like to, you can apply for these ESA funds and use those funds to create a different education for your child should you want something different than the public school in your district is providing. Right. That includes at-home uh, education resources from technology to curriculum to online learning and more uh, all the way to and through private education. 
and that is the the bill that was passed. However, uh, there are organizations right now that are trying to stop that. And uh, there is one particular organization called Save Our Schools, which is attempting to acquire the 118,000-plus signatures they need Mm -hmm. to uh, put a – I think it's called a stay on this bill, which would then delay it for another two years uh, for it to go onto the ballot for in November of 2024. Right. And then we would have to vote on it as a yes or no rather than it just going into a law now. The the law that was signed says that it is effective um, at the end of last month, June 30th. Right. So technically it's, it's effective, but there's a stay being put on it until they see if they're Save Our Schools is able to get enough signatures on the petition. Yeah. So my understanding is if you already qualified for the ESA before this law became a thing, that's still happening. Yep. No You changes. still get your ESA. You can mm-hmm. apply for the next school year. Mm-hmm. But if you weren't previously under the qualifying uh, criteria and you were interested in this, you can't even apply right now. Yeah. So although the Empowerment Scholarship Account expansion um, is into law right now. It's it's it is a law. It's not necessarily active. Right. Uh, it's been signed by the governor, but it's not necessarily active yet because they're o- awaiting to see if these petition signatures get signed. And as it pertains to the topic of our podcast, being a good steward of more than just our finances, mm-hmm. I think it's wise to be a good steward of I think two things. One, uh, should you be signing petitions or not? Mm-hmm. Like that's important. Uh, sometimes, yeah. you know, these folks might be standing outside of a grocery store or, you know, come to your home and, and knock on the door and you just sign the thing because it seems like a noble thing. And really, you just want them out of your face so that you can move forward yeah. and buy, you know, the gallon of milk. Yeah. That you... They always catch me outside the library. There it is. The library is where mm-hmm. they go a lot of places mm-hmm. and they say things, you know, like save our schools and sign this and it helps kids right. uh, get education. Who would want to sign that, right? Um, so I think it's it's wise to understand what you're signing and to be very careful before you sign any petition. Yeah. That's important. Be a good steward of your petition signatures. I got to be honest. I've, I think I've signed petitions in the past that I'm not exactly sure what they were all about anyway. Oh, I have too. I have too. Yeah. Because again, that's, that's what happens. You're maybe caught in a situation <laughs> where you're just like, I just kind of want this person on my face. Yeah, that sounds nice. I'll sign it. Yeah. Um, but also we need to be a good steward of educating the people um, in our society and in our community. So those are two things that, that are very important that we'll talk through in this episode. Yeah. So, Grant, why is it so important for us to choose, to be able to choose the educational path our child takes? Well, I think it's important to answer that question by backing up a little bit by first saying um, education in our society for our children is a really big deal. That is important. Yeah. So before I can answer the question, why do I think school choice is important, we first must answer and say, that education for, for children in our society is very important. This advances um, our society. This helps create better uh, life for our children and for future generations. Yeah. We uh, help grow who we are as individuals, and we grow our abilities so that we can help other people better and just advance as a whole. And that's super important. And I think in order for us to be a good steward of being a member of our society, we must uh, get behind helping ensure that our youth gets educated. That's a really, really big deal. However, um, there are a lot of ways to educate people. Yeah. And uh, you may or may not agree 
with the way that a public school wants to educate. You may or may not agree with the way a homeschooler wants to educate. You may or may not agree with the way a private school wants to educate. And I think school choice is a really big deal so that you can have an alignment of a society that, that, that you want to see. But more importantly, then, and this is a reality coming from um, experience, both for me personally, but then also professionally from people that are very close to me. My wife was an elementary school teacher at a private institution. Mm. Uh, my mom, uh, my sisters, my sister-in-laws, so many of them are in the education world, whether that they are, they are actually teachers at public schools, have been teachers at public schools, have been administrators at public schools, speech language pathologists, school psychiatrists, like all of these things are family members of mine. Mm. Uh, so the school system is something that I have a, a bigger knowledge about than most. And there, here is a truth about education. Every child is different. Yeah. Every child is different, Dan. And there's... It's, it's impossible to advance the learning of a particular child one way with one child and have that be the exact same advancement for the other child if you do the exact same thing. Mm. Customizing a kid's education or having options for a child's education is the best way to help make sure they are educated in the best way possible. Yeah. And who is the best person to know? Their child the best? The government? Good try. No, <laughs> no not the government. Uh, I don't know my kid. <laughs> it's the parent, right? Yeah. And that's what the ESA expansion is, is doing. It's empowering the parent who knows the child better than anybody else uh, to say, hmm, my child needs X, Y, and Z for their education. And yeah. the school that they're currently going to, uh, they, they do A, B, and C pretty good, but they don't do X, Y, and Z. So mm. I'm going to create an education for my child to get X, Y, and Z. Um, the The problem is that not all families can afford, say, that X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Or even know where to get that X, Y, and Z. Well, the ESA program does what its name says. It empowers through a scholarship money so that that child can get the X, Y, and Z they need. So that's why I think school school choice is important. And and this is something, Dan, that I, again, experienced in my own life. I, I was fortunate enough to go to a private school, kindergarten through eighth grade, uh, that my parents and grandparents and people who uh, came around my family loved me well and my brothers and sisters well enough so that I was able to get a private education at an amazing school, kindergarten through eighth grade. And it was awesome. And uh, not only did I learn a ton, uh, but... Uh, I was able to have people and teachers at that institution who poured into me and loved me well uh, through mm. various stages of my life who are still a big deal to me in my life now, which is great. Yeah. Uh, then life changed. And as a result, my education options changed. And I was unable to go to a private institution after uh, eighth grade and then was put into the public school system. Uh, my first uh, day of public school I literally thought to myself, wait, I'm learning this? Mm. I looked at my syllabus. I listened to the teachers talking about what we're going to be learning. And I'm like, I did all this stuff in like fifth grade. you know. <laughs> and that's not to say I was really smart. That's just to say the school that I went to yeah. did really well at those particular topics and teaching those things to me, or at least in a way that, that I was able to absorb. 
Right. Um, I did not learn a whole lot about reading, writing, and arithmetic at public school. Mm. Uh, I learned a bunch of other things, and those bunch of other things may or may not have been exactly what my parents wanted me to learn, (laughs) but I did learn those things, right? Yeah. So I I have that experience. Um, And I think having educational options, had my uh, parents been empowered through scholarships, at that kind of adjustment or change in my life when, 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 when life adjusted for me and my brothers and sisters, um, that would have been a different story for me and it would have been a different story for, for my education. Yeah. Um, and I appreciated the private institutions so much that when it came time for me to go to college, I, I tried uh, the community college route, mm-hmm. the you know county-provided uh, government-helped educations, and it was terrible and I didn't like it. So that when it came time for me to put my own money where my mouth is, I paid for myself to go to a private college. And it provided for me the experience that absolutely I needed, um, which was huge. The Lord used that in an amazing way in my life. So that's a really long story, Dan, (laughs) to talk about and answer your question of why is school choice important? Yeah. Yeah. And I went to public school my whole life. uh, And... It's okay, you know. I'm not here to say public school is evil. Exactly. Again, I have I have family members that are teachers at public school. I have family members that yeah. are uh, administrate. Like pu- school's great. Yeah, school is great, and and that's why the the idea of having an entity called Save Our Schools, and then they try to do something to uh, get a signature from you because it's going to save a school, seems noble and like the good thing to do and to totally. sign it, right? Yeah. Um, but is it is it the good thing? I think that's what we have to understand. Yeah, yeah. So the ESA program gives funds to students who weren't previously qualified to get those funds. Mm-hmm. And what that makes me think is the money has to be coming from somewhere. So it's like, how do the public schools not lose out on this? Yeah. You yeah, your, your question basically is like, are we ripping off the public schools? Right. Are the public schools now going to fail? Are they, are they going to get less money? Yeah, because everybody says like, Teachers are underpaid, and now we're taking more money from the public schools because I know they get money based on how many students they've got. So if all these kids are leaving, what's going on? Yep. You know? That's a really good question, and I agree with you. I think teachers as a whole are extremely underpaid in our society, mm-hmm. and I know that they get months off during the summer, but again, coming from the husband of somebody who taught, they don't get the summer all the way completely, quote unquote, off. I mean, the amount of work that they do to prep for their classroom and to prep for curriculum and things for that next year during the summer is crazy. They got their nose and their eyes in books and in research and in crafts and in all these different things to try to create an awesome experience for the kids because most teachers really care about their kids and they're awesome people. And again, I believe they should get paid more. As a result, whenever propositions or uh, things got put onto ballots – Every two years in November, mm-hmm. uh, from a voting age, I almost always voted to try and get more money to the schools. Right. Uh, because, again, I, I believed that teachers were underpaid. I wanted them to, to, to get paid more. So I completely understand your question of like, well, isn't this ESA program going to take money away? Well, let's talk about that. So if a student uh, goes to or enrolls in ESA, um, they – get $7,000 from uh, the state that's on, what the, on average, on average mm-hmm. uh, to then go use to create 
the education that is best for them. Well, let's go back to students um, without ESA. If a student is going to a public school, the numbers right now uh, state that uh, that public school and school district will get $10,790, about 1100 bucks per right. student. Okay, And 1300-ish comes from federal and 9500-ish comes from the state. Well, if that same child leaves the public school to do the ESA, uh, $7,000 now goes to the parent. However, there's still $3,790 that that school and school district still get. Yeah, the school and school district still retain the thirteen hundred from the federal, and they still retain a large amount from from the from the state. So even if a child leaves that public school for ESA, um, is that school losing out on that seven thousand dollars? Yes. Yeah. But that school is still retaining almost thirty eight hundred dollars. And here's the kicker: that school and school district, Dan, they don't have to do anything to keep that money. Right. So there's no teacher salary, there's no administrator salary, there's no resources, school supplies, equipment, electricity to keep the lights on, and so on and so forth. There's no money or resources now required for that child. That right. child is no longer the responsibility it's no of, longer that school. of that school to educate him, right? Yeah. Um, so the net positive should be gigantic. Like, I don't know about you, Dan, but if I had a business opportunity where I was able to get $3,790 and I had zero overhead or responsibility, <laughs> I essentially got free $3,790, where do I open the business? I'll open the LLC right now. That's an amazing return, right? Yeah. So so that's a big deal. And it's it's important to understand that is that this bill has provisions for it. Uh, that these public schools and the school uh, districts still get money and they should net a positive yeah, because they no longer have to spend money to make sure that child gets educated. They get $3,790 for nothing. Yeah. That's, that's kind of nice. Um, so the only real argument to this is if the school is able to provide an education for a child for less than $7,000 – and they retain more than 3790 which right. then my response to that is no, because $10,790, all of that should be going towards the child, right? Yeah. Because if, they're, if they think that they're able to do it for the less than $7,000 and, and, and they want to retain even more money, like that's – no, that's not okay. Sounds like a for-profit thing, <laughs> yeah. but, but a shady one. Which then leads me to another statistic. And that is this. Again, I remember I told you the story in, in November. I, I you know typically will vote every time for uh, the propositions or whatever to try to bring more funding to our schools and school districts, right? Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm always voting for that. And my hope is that more money goes to the students. I want more students to have resources. This is before I even have kids, man. You know, like yeah. I was voting for this stuff. I want more money to teachers. This was a big deal to me. Well, over the last 20 years... Um, here are how things have increased. Over the last 20 years, despite the fact that many bills and things have passed, more money is going into the schools, more money is going into the school districts. All these things are happening both federally and on the state level. The amount of money that has increased 
to the teachers, about 8% over the last 20 years. Whoa. 8%. Um, the amount of money that has increased of resources towards the student, also about 8%. Hmm. That sounds like it's just keeping up with inflation. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> so let me ask you this. Where is all the money going? Well, 37% increase has gone to principals and assistant principals. Hmm. And here's the big one. 88% increase has gone to other administrative staff and administrators as a whole. Wow. So there's more money over the last 20 years that has been pumped into the public school system than the previous 20 years, for sure. We, we've been working as a society to, to put more money into these things. Um, and I was voting on those things in hopes that the teachers and the students would be the recipients of that. Right. But this data is saying otherwise. So is what it communicates to us is what we kind of already know about the government, and that is they're not so great at spending our money, right? <laughs> yeah. They, they don't do a really great job of that. Um, so, so that is a, a reality too. So if, if you are being approached by somebody to sign a petition and they're saying, hey, you got to sign this because it, we need more money at our schools, don't you agree? Let's not let little Timmy and you know Sally Sue not get their <laughs> education – well, th- that's not necessarily how this is all really playing out in, re- in reality. Yeah. That, that's important to note. Yeah. I almost wish the organization was about saving our students. Yes. That's a really good point. Uh, because that's, what's, that's what it's about. It's save our schools. Yeah, cool. It sounds noble. But I'll be honest. I don't care about your school. I care about the kids in it. Yeah. I care about my kids. I care about the kids in my community. I want their education to to increase, and that's a big deal. And look, there's uh, been ESA programs and other uh, programs out there that vouchers. Uh, yeah, you might it, hear them called. Yeah, vouchers. Is what you hear them called? Vouchers is kind of a negative term. A lot of people call this voucher program. It's not vouchers. It's it's an empowerment scholarship account. It's a scholarship that money that's given from tax money. So like. Whatever. You can call a voucher program if you want. Um, that said, it, these things have been happening in other states, Indiana, Louisiana, Ohio, Florida, Milwaukee, and the like. And um, some studies were done to say what type of impact has been had on the students where these programs have been enacted. And all of those studies were able to say that there was a positive effect other than two areas had a negative effect and one area had no visible effect. Whereas all the other uh, cities and states, positive effect, I mean, think, let me count on this thing. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, plus another 14, like 26, yeah. 26 other communities were able to say, no, this had a positive effect on us. Whereas two had a negative effect and one had, had no effect. So when things like this happen and school choice is given, when parents are empowered with uh, tax dollars to create a, a, a school opportunity for the children that's best for them, good things happen. Good things happen. Yeah. And, you know, Dan, there's like other stories and things that we have to talk about as, as well, especially if we think through the lens of stewardship, trying to create the best education for for our child that our children are are under our charge they're under our care um, there are other kids in our community that 
are also under our charge and under our care, specifically when we're putting tax dollars towards it, right? Yeah. And we have to think through, okay, well, what kind of things are being communicated to our children? Yeah. Uh, I overheard a story. Uh, I had one mom talking to another mom. This uh, communication was happening in the lobby of our office. And uh, one mom was saying, you know, I'm really excited for this new ESA expansion um, because then it's going to give me the opportunity to look for different uh, education choices for my daughter. And I think uh, her daughter is 10 years old, I'm guessing. Uh, And then she went on to tell the story that last year um, in her child's, I think it was third grade class uh, or fourth grade class, I think it was third grade class, um, this teacher, the homeroom teacher had CNN on all the time. And wow. anytime the teacher was lecturing or, or talking, she would have it on mute, but it would still be playing. <laughs> and then whenever she was done lecturing and it was time for the kids to like draw or color or work on whatever they needed to work on, she would then unmute it. Um, and wow. I'm not here to tell you that uh, you, listener, are not allowed to watch CNN. Like You, you can do that. Sure. Uh, but I think we can all agree that uh, teachers – uh, should not be influencing our children uh, with with politics. Right. Um, teachers should be teaching our children reading, writing, arithmetic, you know, critical thinking, things that, as I talked about at the beginning of this episode, that are going to help advance our society in mm-hmm. the direction that we, we need to go. Yeah. Um, and uh, major news media networks like CNN, Fox News, MSNBC probably should not be played the entire every day throughout the day all day yeah um and you know elementary school classrooms right unless they're doing a study on uh hey watch this and then you have to report back to me on uh how the mainstream media uses words pictures videos and narratives to create fear to get us to keep watching you know like yeah. <laughs> unless it's something like that yeah an example <laughs> yeah right and and again i'm not sitting here saying that you are evil if you watch cnn or you think it's wrong to watch cnn with your child uh if you're the parent you can do that what i'm here to say is that i'm not sure everybody uh is comfortable with the idea of having our public school teachers teaching our public children with politics. Right. Uh, and, and we can go even a step further. I mean, you see uh, different videos, whether it be on Instagram or TikTok, of other teachers who get on and celebrate that they're a child in their you know second grade class um, just came out and decided that they want to change their pronouns. And that teacher is celebrating that, and mm. they create this moment within the school. Um is, is, is that what what you want for, for your child? No. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I am not saying that if you change your, your pronouns, um, you know, that you're bad or evil or wrong. Um, but I am saying I don't want you to teach my children about uh, gender politics. I am here to say that I do not want you to teach my children about sexual proclivities. Right. And sexuality. Especially in... Elementary school. Correct. Sexual proclivities and sexuality should be conversations where that are being led and influenced by the parent, yeah. right? Yeah. And if you as a parent want the teacher to, to communicate those things, then you should have the choice to send your child to a school that does that. 
But if you don't yeah. want a teacher to say those things, you should have the choice to be able to send your child or create for your child an education that doesn't do that. Yeah. Does your child's education align with the values that are important to you? That is a big deal. And yeah. if you're somebody who is uh, living in a particular school district and maybe doesn't have the funds to create for your child a different option, school choice and the ESA expansion gives you now something else to think through, gives you now another option. And that is a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. The idea of teaching politics in school is is just eating at me because yeah. my understanding of, of education in school isn't necessarily even to teach me the facts that I learn, but to teach me how to learn, right? That's why I was in school. I want to put my daughter in school so she can learn how to learn, so she can learn how to think for herself and understand realities about the world so she can make her own choices. Yeah, or, or just to teach her how to add and subtract or multiply because there's a, there's a truth that sometimes you as a parent, when you try to teach your child how to add, subtract, and multiply, they don't want to listen to you. Yeah. But you get somebody else to say the exact same thing, all of a sudden, <laughs> you know, it clicks and they'll do it, right? So to teach them those basic skills, for, for sure, I get it. Yeah, it's important. But then to, to influence how they think or to tell a child how to think is not education. Yeah, you don't want um, a teacher that you don't have a trusted relationship with. You don't want an institution of the government necessarily to... Uh, perpetuate a worldview in your child. Right. You want to be the leader of that. Yeah. And and you want to be able to control who influences that and who doesn't influence that. That's that's important. Yeah. And and you know like it, it there's documented evidence of and, and this is really honestly Daniel only really became a big deal since COVID. Because when everybody, when the schools got shut down and parents then all of a sudden had their children doing online learning, I mean, I, there's a story of somebody uh, who's a client that I was talking to at church and uh, they were, uh, his son was watching um, an economics kind of like video and slideshow that the teacher was putting together. And he was just kind of standing over his shoulder, seeing what was going on. And in the slideshow, it was communicating um, how capitalism is bad and how socialism is good. And he's like, what mm. is going on here? And, and after the class was over, he didn't like reprimand or say anything. He just asked his child questions. Hey, like, what did you get from this? What, 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 what did you learn uh, from all of this? And he's like, yeah, what I learned is that socialism seems pretty cool. And hmm. we might need to rethink capitalism here in our country. It's like, wait, what? Well, like, d do we? You know, like, like it, it, these things that we saw, um, the public school system teaching our children when our children actually had to learn when we were looking over their shoulders, it illuminated so many things to, to us. Yeah, But more importantly, we were able to see all the political influence that's now naturally a part of some of the schooling institutions. Uh, proof of that is when the 
teachers' unions, both locally and on a national level, were advising the CDC on what to do for shutting down or not shutting down. Wow. I mean, these are articles and things that were proven in legitimate news sources like the Wall Street Journal that – the only reasons why school was continuing to be closed down is because these teachers unions were communicating to the CDC, hey, you should probably advise everybody not to open up schools, right? Wow. I mean, it, there's there's a lot of things and a lot of political influence that was happening. And again, I'm not saying politi- politics are evil. I'm not saying political influence is evil. There's places for all of that. Mm-hmm. But please get it out of, out of the kids. Yeah. You know? And, Don't and, use the kids yeah. as ammunition. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's not the point of, of why we need to care for and be a good steward of educating our youth. Right? Yeah. And more importantly, we as taxpayers in a free society should have freedom to, to educate our, our children and be empowered to educate our children in whichever option is going to be best for them. And and I think that's really important. Yeah. So it seems like a non-political issue has become politicized. Very much. Which has never happened before. (laughs) Um, But what I find so interesting about this this whole process is that the ESA program promotes choices to parents, right? Yes. Freedom. And freedom. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's almost like democratizing school. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. I get to choose now. Yes, as it uh, should be. Just like we get to choose our representatives and yeah. we get to choose our president. Yep. Um, but the organizations that are using a petition right now, they're using the, the functions of democracy to put this to a democratic vote. They're trying to rely on the reality that the public gets to choose is to take away the choice <laughs> yeah, from that's, parents. That's important. Yeah, that, that one of the arguments of Save Our Schools and other institutions that are trying to get this petition signed is like, hey, look, just sign this petition. It'll go on the ballot. And then instead of our elected officials choosing, we all get to choose as a society if we want this because then we'll put it to a vote. Like, yeah, that's a good idea. Choice. Yeah. So – why don't you just let everybody choose what to do with the education of their kids? Right. We already have the choice. Yeah. So the, the law has already been passed to give choices to parents. You delaying it is preventing choice. Yeah. You, you delaying it is preventing the freedom. You delaying it by signing this petition and submitting this thing, thing is, is, not, is not ideal here. You're going against the very thing you're communicating. And, and here – look, I have seen uh, many elected officials – um, who are fighting this thing. I have seen, uh, you know, Save Our Schools, that organization who is fighting this thing. Uh, they're communicating stuff that honestly is not true at all. They, mm. they communicate things that's not only uh, almost hypocritical, as you just pointed out, Daniel, but they say certain things like, uh, hey, I'm signing this petition because I want to make sure that when I stay elected, I have the ability to use funds to to – uh, bridge the technology gap that our students have right now in the public school system. Mm. Well, the ESA program allows kids to use that $7,000 for technology. Yeah. So the gap can be bridged now <laughs> if, if parents choose to, you know? Yeah. Like, there's so many things that are being said about this ESA bill by other people that aren't true at all. 
And, and this is my biggest call to action to you as a listener. Read the bill. And we can put a link to the bill in the show notes. Yeah. It's extremely easy to understand. You might get intimidated by legislation and bills as a whole and think that it's pages and pages and pages of stuff. This one isn't. It's it's really not very many pages. I think it's like you scroll, I don't know, maybe two full web pages you're scrolling, right. if that. And and it's in language that you understand and they give definitions for other words so you know what it means. It's one of the easiest pieces of legislation I've ever read. So it's not intimidating. And that's really my call to action to you is read it for yourself and determine what, what this means for you. Um, this thing being passed does not hurt anybody who's currently enrolled in ESA. This thing being passed does not currently hurt anybody who is currently homeschooling. This thing being passed does not hurt anybody who's currently sending their, their kids to private school. This, this thing being passed, all it does is empowers families to have another option, to be empowered with money to potentially create a better education option for them, no matter what their income is, no matter what zip code there is. And if they want to continue to go to public schools, they can. Yeah. They can. You know what? Secretly, Dan, I'm hoping. What? I'm hoping that some public schools see, oh, man, kid, kids are kids are leaving. Hmm. Which, to be honest with you, in Arizona has been happening over the last two years. Before this ESA thing expansion ever happened, there has been an exodus from the public school system to charter schools like crazy, hmm. to private schools like crazy crazy. You know what my hope is? My hope is that compassionate capitalism takes over. Mm. That these public schools see like, wow, we are failing. We are failing. We, we need to change. We need to do something different. We need to take those funds that have been voted on to go towards us and actually do use more than 8% towards the student and actually do use more than 8% to the teachers. We need to create a better education. My hope is that school choice create some really great and healthy competition for educational options in our society so that we have all these awesome options to choose from as parents. Yeah. Not to mention, if students leave public schools because of the ESA program, now there are fewer students per teacher. Oh, my goodness. That was one of like the <laughs> biggest complaints for, for uh, family members that are teachers yeah. is that the schools have classroom sizes that are way too big. Yeah. When there's 30 kids, 35 kids in a class, you cannot be an effective teacher. Classroom management is extremely hard. Be giving kids one-on-one -on -one help when they absolutely need it is not an option, right? Yeah. But if, if children not only leave the school for the ESA program, that public school still gets almost $4,000 for doing nothing. But that public school now has one less kid in that classroom so that teacher's job is easier, which then means that teacher can have a bigger impact on all the students in that classroom. That's a great point. Yeah. So there it is, listeners, your CTA. Read the bill. Yeah. And I mean... I'm not going to sign the petition. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's obvious. I'm a huge fan of school choice. <laughs> um, I'm anti-signing that petition. Um, look, if you're like me and you think school choice is, is a great thing, please, please, please share this podcast. Share share the video we did. Uh, Dan, you can put those links in the show notes. Even Even share the one-minute money tip. It's just a one-minute video that, that we did on this program. Just share this with other people to educate folks so they too can be a good steward of any petition that might be put in their face. 
Um, so yeah, if you're a fan of School of Choice, please, please share these resources and these episodes that we've we've created. Well, Grant, thank you so much um, for sharing your story with education and for sharing your passion yeah. on the topic. Um, first time I heard about this, I, I didn't know anything about it. Mm. Um, you know, my daughter is just starting school this fall, mm. so I haven't I haven't delved into the craziness of the Arizona education system yet. Um, but after this conversation, you know, my questions about the bill are answered mm. and I hope that this bill can be passed. Mm. Um, or, or be put into action. Right. Yeah. It's been passed already. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, thank you so much. And listeners, you know what to do. Check out the links in the show notes. There'll be lots of them. And uh, I'll talk to you in a couple weeks. weeks.